0: Recently, my ESPN colleague, sports business reporter Darren Ravel, sent out a tweet after the Preakness that read, Cloud computing wins. Nation deletes horse racing again. Ouch, babe. But frankly, I'm grateful he did that, because it gives us a reason to take a big-picture view of where this sport is and what it needs to do to improve. Darren Ravel and Gary West take the sports temperature on an eye-opening edition of In the Gate.
1: They're
2: in the gate. They're in the gate. In the gate. They're
1: in the gate. It's a head bobbing finish.
0: This is In the Gate, ESPN's Thoroughbred Racing Podcast. My name is Barry Abrams. You can follow me on Twitter at B Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. You can also get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud as well, which services the iTunes Store and TuneIn.com. You can get us on that pink podcatcher app that you didn't even know you had. And now you can subscribe to In The Gate in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app.
1: An American pharaoh kicks away. American Pharoah has opened up a two-length lead as they come to the top of the stretch and Frosted has moved up into second and they're into the stretch and American Pharoah makes his run for glory as they come into the final furlong. Frosted is second with one-eighth of a mile to go. American Pharoah's got a two-length lead. Frosted is all out at the 16th pole and here it is. The 37-year wait is over. American Pharoah it's finally the one! American Foe has won the Triple Crown!
0: This Triple Crown season didn't produce a moment like that one, as not only did we wind up with three Triple Crown race winners, but neither the Kentucky Derby champ, Always Dreaming, nor the Preakness champ, Cloud Computing, even showed up for the Belmont. But in 2015, horse racing fans were talking about American Pharaoh Sweep as a game-changer for the Triple Crown Series and perhaps for the entire sport in general. Pharaoh's win would save the sport, or at least give it a shot in the arm. I can't honestly say that I was one of those eternal optimists. I thought... The longest-lasting effect Farrell might have would be to motivate some people to get involved as owners or in other facets of racing. And I still think that sort of thing has happened. It's just hard to measure how many and who they actually are. I'm sure those stories will come out over time. But after this year's Kentucky Derby, our good friend, ESPN sports business reporter Darren Revell, tweeted out to his followers this question. How did American Pharoah winning the Triple Crown change your enthusiasm for the three races? Note, of course, that Darren kept his focus to just the Triple Crown races, not the sport as a whole. Of the nearly 11,000 people who responded, he's got a pretty good following, 54% said their opinion of the Triple Crown races has not changed. 17% said they were more enthusiastic, and 29% said they care less than they did before because the achievement had finally happened again. Now, horse racing people will, of course, get defensive and dismissive of that poll and say that Darren Ravel is a doomsayer. Don't listen to him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Darren Ravel is a smart guy, and I don't just say that because he's sitting right next to me. We'll get to him in a second. He's here because he's got a pretty keen sense of sports business trends, and it would be foolish to brush off his findings, unscientific as they might be. But as is usually the case with these kind of broad topics, there's also a more nuanced way – to view where the Triple Crown is, where horse racing in general is, two years after American Pharaoh. So along with Darren Ravel, we have the dean of horse racing journalists, well, after the passing of Joe Hirsch anyway, our good friend Gary West is here, and we certainly have the right two people to go with this. So let's start with Gary. What effect, Gary, either statistical or anecdotal, did you notice following American Pharaoh's Triple Crown sweep?
2: Well, I think we have to put that In in context, remember where we were in 2015. First of all, in 2014, we had a horrendous year, a horrible Breeders' Cup. If you recall, there was a lot of anticipation leading up to that Breeders' Cup in 2014, but uh, Wise Dam was injured. Did not run. Palace Malice will take charge. They were injured and retired. And then we had American Pharaoh Just days before the Breeders' Cup, he was scratched out of the juvenile. Beholder was scratched. And then we had the the day itself of the Breeders' Cup, which was so unsatisfying. You probably recall the classic where Bayern was the winner after uh, two horses. Bayern and the horse who was inside wiped out all the horses inside of then, including the favorite shared belief. So the, the, the sport, in my view, really hit uh, the bottom there in 2014. So it was struggling. And the first three months of 2015, handle at America's Racetracks was down 5% over the previous year. And then suddenly, American Pharaoh appeared on the scene. And I, I think he inspired many people with his performances. He reminded people that Uh, they could access greatness through horse racing and I think that for the most part is why sports fans go to sports uh, events and watch sports they want to share in the realization of greatness if only for a moment and they hadn't found that in horse racing since Zenyatta but suddenly American Pharaoh delivered that with his romp in the Preakness preceded of course by his derby victory his romp in the Belmont and he reminded people how great horse racing can be and by the end of the year, by the end of 2015, horse racing handle was up slightly, about 1.2%, as I recall. And it was up again last year. That's the first time that it has been handle has increased consecutive years since the early years of this century, because as we know, it's been falling steadily for a long time. In fact, over the last 20 years, when adjusted for inflation handles down more than 50 percent. But the last two years have been positive, And I think although horse racing is shrinking and redefining itself, I do believe that since American Pharaoh reminded America what greatness is on the racetrack, uh, the sport has, has stabilized. And I think it's ready to uh, move forward again.
0: Well, we'll get to that point that you just made about contraction and retrenchment in a little bit. But, Darren, I want to take that poll that you did from a slightly different standpoint. You had tweeted after the Preakness, cloud computing wins, nation deletes horse racing again. Do you think, and it touches on what Gary said before, that even though Pharaoh did it two years ago, that there is still an interest in a horse completing the Triple Crown?
1: I think the interest is there. I just it's just obviously not the same. And I thought the takeaway 2014, which Gary just described, um, I thought that the fact that, you know, one day it would happen, that would that would be great for horse racing. But the reason why it wouldn't be and I think we even discussed this at the time, why it wouldn't be incredible would be because the horse would essentially retire right away. The horse didn't. But also did not go around like secretariat um, because the business is such where you can't do that because of insurance and stud fees and the horse you know immediately was worth fifty million dollars. So uh, I, I I think that there's still interest, but uh, I think the fact that it happened kind of takes away that interest. Can I just get to handle right away? Because handle when I put out all the negative about horse racing, handle is the response. And the crowds, by the way, at at the Preakness, uh, at the Kentucky Derby. I think horse racing for millennials, for younger people, is a great uh, excuse to be there. It's a great event. I don't want to take credit away from Churchill Downs or Pimlico. They've they've made it some place where you have to be. Um, but even those events are not necessarily about horse racing themselves. And the handle at those races, I would argue. Is not about horse racing itself.
2: Wouldn't you also say that uh, an event such as the Super Bowl, and I've covered a Super Bowl, isn't about the football game itself? Yes. Okay. Yes. It's very anticlimactic, all the parties leading up to it. It's, yes. it's really a, a very uninviting event for me. Um, but I, and i would I would
1: also say gary I would also say gary what 's interesting to me is if you look at Churchill Downs and of course, a lot of these uh, race tracks and those that run race tracks and gambling businesses have to report you know their earnings. And, you know, you see that I think it was around 2007 or 8 was the first year that Churchill Downs was less about racing than it was about gambling. And that that hasn't changed, although what we have seen, which I think is probably in reverse in a weird way, good for horse racing is all those tracks that went to gambling and slot machines. They're n- it's now coming back to bite them um, in that it was the original promises that they were created for came true. And now I think people are getting tired of it. So uh, maybe there's more options. Maybe the Internet is opening in some states. But uh, that, that has, has, has kind of fallen flat in, in recent years.
2: Well, I would not argue that horse racing could ever return to its glory days when it was um, the second most popular sport only to baseball. And the best attended sport in America that could never happen again, largely because it's a pastoral sport in an industrialized society. As i pointed out before popular sports reflect the societies and the cultures that produce them, which is why a violent game with specialization is America's most popular sport football. That said, Baseball has retained much of its popularity and success because it has embraced change and it has embraced uh, modern technologies that I think horse racing can also do. But horse racing is much slower to adapt for a variety of reasons. One of them is its leadership, but the other is it is a highly regulated sport. And before it can do anything, it has to get the permission of various commissions and authorities. And and that has bogged horse racing down a great deal. But again, the point I'm trying to make is that since American Pharoah, horse racing has stabilized, and it is redefining itself with the help of technology and and modern media. Uh, and and I think if anything, it could uh, inch forward a little bit and and achieve a new level of popularity that it hasn't seen in a few years. Uh, give you an example. We, we've seen uh, a contraction of race days in America, uh, and, and and fewer racetracks. Um, what Suffolk has disappeared, along with the Detroit uh, Race Course and Liberty Bell, Long Acres, and Hollywood Park and Trinity Meadows. They're all gone. And all the ones fewer in New days England days. too. Yeah, fewer race days uh, means that we'll have better racing actually, because we have a much smaller full crop than we had. And I think this concentration of events such as we have at Belmont park, what three stakes on, thursday i think five on friday and what nine stakes on saturday an incredible array of horses and and uh, great racing and as we see horse racing do more of that i think it will it will move forward and also to the point you made and it is a very valid point about the the business model being perverse and actually encouraging the retirement of of its stars Uh, horse racing, I don't know if it can ever change that entirely, but the purses now with the, uh, $12 million Pegasus world cup. And of course the Dubai world cup, the purses have reached a level that I think somebody might, might be encouraged to keep a a superstar on the racetrack for another year or even two, um, because a horse can make a lot of money on the racetrack these days.
0: There are a bunch of points there that I want to get to one at a time here. Let's start with this. At least for now, horse racing is the only sport you can bet legally on your phone. And people will do anything, it seems, as long as it's on the phone. I think they jump off the Brooklyn Bridge if you told them on the phone to do it. You can bet and watch a race from any track while you're on the train going home every day. But I think the distraction of the phone has also reduced many entertainment options, racing included, to the absolute must-sees only like the Kentucky Derby or the World Series or the Masters. How much, Darren, do you think the digital age has changed the way people view horse racing?
1: It's definitely changed, and I will say that one of the reasons why basketball, why the NBA is where it is, is because you have these vineable moments. And in horse racing, you just really can't, you're not going to have a horse, you're not going to have many where a horse is going to do something that miraculous that they're clickable. Steph Curry can take a 35 foot shot and, and he could actually have four or five vine moments in one night and horse racing could have five vine moments in a year. And I think that's, that that's the issue. We are, we were first driven to what SportsCenter center created, which is a highlight centric society. And now it's a quick clip. And so A truly amazing moment that would get a person to want to look at it, regardless of what sport it is, is almost not to be had in horse racing. And I think that's a problem.
0: Wait, SportsCenter does highlights? (laughs) I hadn't remembered. (laughs) I I, I know. (laughs) Gary, one of the other things you brought up was um, other countries having overarching authorities that both administer and promote the sport, which the united states doesn't have and i'm not here to go into the whys and the wherefores about why that is but as a result what sorts of things do you see happening in those other countries that racing here in the states is lacking
2: well there's a complete lack of coordination uh, in america regarding race dates and and competition you you know you would not see in in england or, or in france uh, two race meets going on simultaneously offering the same races or the same level of competition but we see it all the time in this country and there will be a, uh, a race for the best sprinting fillies and mares in America uh, at Gulfstream Park in the same day for the same group of horses we could see a race um, elsewhere, uh, I remember it happened at Laurel a few years ago uh, the, the two races run on the same, the same day and That's nonsense And we, we see that all the time here And we see, of course, the, the conflict in race states We see races going off simultaneously uh, During uh, the simulcasting of major events And uh, we, we can do a much better job Horse racing should try to do a much better job And it can, but it, it lacks leadership at this point
0: we're going to take a short break here on In the Gate. When we come back, if some is good, is more better. Stay with us. Welcome back to In the Gate. We're going over a treetops view of this sport spurred on by Darren Ravel in a poll that he did last, uh, right after the Kentucky Derby with his followers about whether the... American Pharoah victory in the Triple Crown has kind of lowered interest in the sport or not. And we have Darren here. We have Gary West with us here. What a treat it is to have both of these guys on the same show. This is tremendous. And I want to get back to this, Darren. There's a car company that's using Secretariat to market itself in this day and age in 2017. What takeaway do you have from that?
1: The positive is that um, they're using horse racing. The negative, I guess, is that they're using a horse that has been dead for so many years right and 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 is it why why wouldn't they pick something or a theme that is with today um and are they using horse racing or are they just using secretariat for secretariat i mean that's the that's the other question uh, I think it's an it's a net positive in terms of uh, it's being run, and there's a horse on a track with a car, and that's free publicity for horse racing, gets people to think about things. But th- again, the negative is, what is it about their decision-making that made them go to the past? And is there is there a negative in that?
0: Gary West, of the 12 Triple Crown winners, of which Secretariat is of course one. Only the first, Sir Barton in 1919, and the last, American Pharaoh, are the only ones alone in their respective decades. Of the other 10, you had three in the 1930s, four in the 1940s, and then three legendary ones, of course, Secretariat included, in the 1970s. So let's take the 70s, of course, since you lived through those. I was a little one. What was it like as you went from Secretariat to Seattle Slew to firm? did the... Experience feel cheapened? Did it feel heightened, or what?
2: Amazingly enough, it it didn't feel cheapened. Although a firm came along after, um, Secretariat uh, in Seattle slew. His accomplishment was nevertheless great, and I, I I can remember driving all night. I was a teenager, and I drove all night to get to Kentucky on a I guess a Wednesday or a Thursday to see. Secretary at work because I had heard how great he was and I'd never seen him with my own eyes, and uh, I, I watched him work uh, uh, over the Churchill Down surface and and left there just flabbergasted, left there speechless uh, with what I had seen, and was convinced that this was one of the greatest horses ever to set put on a racetrack, and and he was. And I I think the appreciation of that greatness and that accomplishment didn't diminish with it reoccurring again and again. It's still a great accomplishment. And I remember being amazed at Affirmed when when he did it. Because don't forget, before Secretariat, uh, we had, what, 25 years uh, to go back to citation to find a Triple Crown winner. I do think that we'll have another Triple Crown winner uh, in the next um, I'll say the next decade, maybe even the next few years. It's largely a matter of, I think, um, population, horse population. When the Triple Crown winners emerged in the 1970s, uh, horse racing was producing about 20 24,000 foals per year. It peaked in 1986 with, I think, 50, 51,000. And many people argued, as you'll remember, that we didn't have a triple crown winner because the horses weren't good enough. And we need to change the, the format. We need to change the distance. We need to give them more time between races because these horses just aren't good enough.
0: I still think well, that has to happen, was. by the way.
2: <laughs> yeah, the truth was, it wasn't that these horses weren't good enough. It was that we had too many good horses. In 1986, of course, we had Easy Goer and Sunday Silence, either of whom could have been a triple crown winner except for the other. And now the full crop is back down into the 20s. I think it's leveled out at about 22,500. And, and that is a good number to produce some Triple Crown winners. Uh, and I think we'll see uh, that happen again. We'll see a horse that can be dominant as American Pharaoh was and as Arrowgate is this year uh, and last year. And I, I thought, Ernie you, know, you made a great point about horse racing lacking those sports center highlight moments. And it does. That's true. I don't know how we can overcome that. I don't know if it's possible. But Arrowgate uh, produced some of those, certainly one when he won the Travers by the length of the stretch. And, and those are the kinds of moments of domination that I think uh, will, will excite fans, but, but you're right. Horse racing won't produce the, uh, you know, the, the, the sports center top 10 moments uh, the way other sports can, uh, but um, there, as you pointed out, you, you can bet on it. And I think that's a, a big advantage that you can bet on horse racing over your phone.
0: Well, here's a, one thing. I so see. You don't have vine moments. Mm-hmm. All right. But, you know, when one episode of The Twilight Zone is shown on TV, a couple of people watch it. But when you put 20 of them together in a marathon, a lot of people watch it. And the same is true when you aggregate a bunch of restaurants in a on a street. You know, one restaurant will draw a few people, a bunch of them will get everybody out of their houses. So if we get a cluster of Triple Crown winners, and Gary said we might, what effect do you think that would have?
1: The funny thing is, I haven't even considered that because I've been so focused on American Pharaoh and after. What happens? Hmm. I think, how you know, with what Gary says, you know, everyone's been in their own boat. I think it depends on the cooperation of everyone in horse racing. They have to be in this together, and they haven't been. Everyone's been fighting for themselves. And I've seen this in, you know, non team sports where, in, in, in team sports, You know, you're not a single entity, but you're forced to be with each other. There's revenue sharing. There's other things. That's not the case here with horse racing. And people always talk about the ideals of working together, but then they don't. So I'm going to say that if uh, if we get more triple crown winners, the ability for horse racing to capitalize will be on the people who are in the sport to get together and make sure, however it is. Make sure that it's a net positive.
2: I agree. I agree entirely that that the future of the sport could depend on cooperation. And if we do have several triple crown winners or several superstars uh, coming along over the next decade, and if we can somehow make it lucrative enough for them to continue racing, uh, then it, it will demand a great deal of cooperation. From the uh, sports leaders, if if the game is to capitalize on that, there have been moments of cooperation in the past, such as the the one that created the Breeders' Cup. But but you're quite right in that most of the time, horse racing is is uh, ripped apart by by conflict and um, controversy and um, disputations that leave everybody with a, a bitter taste in their mouth. So uh, the, the sport just needs to needs to get together. And I, I wish I could say I see signs of that, but I don't really.
0: I could do this all day, but I have one more question for each of you. And so Darren, what do you think is the message that racing people should be sending to both their critical mass of current customers as well as potential new ones, promoting the sport of racing, all of the results of the triple crown who wins or the experience of racing coming out to the track, seeing the horses, the thrill of winning a bet, etc.
1: Both, both. But I think the first part is understanding where you are. NASCAR and horse racing. Whenever I put something out on Twitter and there's a reason why I, sometimes do a little elbowing, is because those people get the angriest over things. And I think some of it is a not accepting of the realities. So I would say take real inventory. Look at handle and why that is. Look at crowds and why that is. Don't just say it's good enough or don't just look at one metric. I once did a show on franchises – And what was amazing is the people that wanted to buy a franchise uh, would go to just the people that were having a great, successful franchise. Hey, how good is it? Is it awesome? Is it great? (laughs) Meanwhile, at the end of this franchise disclosure document, which every – franchise has to put out are all the people who died a horrible death because the structure isn't good and 99% of people when they were spending their hard-earned money never bothered to call those people at the end I feel like that's where horse racing is right now open up see take an inventory make sure it's truthful because being truthful to yourself is going to be worth dividends in the future so that's my i i'd say open it up look at everything look at why and then go promote and figure out and there are two audiences there's there's the triple crown audience there's the hardcore audience figure out really how to be smart and i i I think there's a there's a chance to at least stay somewhat relevant and playing off of that, finally, Gary West, as someone who follows
0: the business and the sport of racing ostensibly more closely than Darren Ravel does. Yes. What are your most important factors in determining where the sport is in terms of its viability?
2: Um, it, horse racing's yeah, wow, that, that, that's a tough question because there are so many factors. Horse racing's reputation, I think, has um, taken a few hits the last year several years and horse racing is working to restore that reputation and it needs to work harder. Catastrophic breakdowns have declined dramatically at America's racetracks. Um, horse racing needs to get out the good story. Um, it needs to get out the story of all the horses that people are working to to Save and, and all the good that the uh, the industry does it needs to get out the story of all these people who work on the racetrack who don 't even know anything about gambling you know they're, they're ranchers and farmers who who love horses, and many of the people involved do indeed love their horses and and that story doesn 't get told often enough and and I think uh, horse racing needs to come together obviously if it 's to move forward. Uh, the lack of cooperation is just. In this game and uh, horse racing, I won't say it shot itself in its foot because it blew off its foot years ago. You know, it's it's, (laughs) up to the knee now. The the sport has made so many dumb, dumb mistakes that that we could we could just put a long list together. And It needs to get over those and and move forward. But uh, I think cooperation would be the main thing, and understanding an audience. You know, for many years, horse racing has not understood itself. For many years, horse racing didn't even know what it was selling. Well, it's selling gambling. It's selling a bet on an outcome. And granted, the uh, historical significance of the game is undeniable. You know, the founding fathers were all members of the Virginia Jockey Club, for goodness sake and the nostalgia and the parties and the atmosphere can be incomparable. But in the end, horse racing is selling a bet and a spectacle as well. And I think uh, not many people understand that. Um, there are many general managers in this game and people working in executive positions at racetracks who couldn't even calculate the cost of a trifecta ticket. You know, they They don't know anything about their their sport or their their product and nothing about the betters in the grandstand horse racing needs to reach out to those people as well
0: well i wouldn't call this three wise men i'd call it two wise men and a host but nonetheless fantastic advice that hopefully the right people will be listening to as well as the general public thank you both so so much for being here darren Revel, gary west
2: thanks sir darren barry thank you very much i enjoyed it And again, our
0: thanks to Darren Ravel and to Gary West. In the state most famous for Mickey Mouse, who happens to be my boss, the Mickey Mouse racing circuit is in full swing. That term comes not from me, but from the owner of Hialeah, where horses and high society were once a thing. But now it's just about how little must be done to satisfy the state's requirement that in order to run casinos, tracks must also offer live racing, What you see on site is a shameful firmament where the beauty of sky and dirt and turf are tinged by the greedy intent to turn a majestic sport into a mockery. Running retired horses, sometimes they're 20-year-olds or more, down a dusty strip has zero nobility. I saw this for myself at Gretna, where the management felt it necessary to post no photography signs every 50 feet shame on the state of florida for sanctioning this so that casino owners have a system they can beat you can get us on our youtube channel by searching in the gate podcast you can get us on soundcloud as well which services the itunes store and TuneIn.com. you can get us on that pink podcatcher app that you didn't even know you had and now you can subscribe to in the gate in the listen tab of the espn app For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. And you can follow me on Twitter at The Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. That's In The Gate for this week. I'm Barry Abrams. We'll see you next time.